I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Finally, a home team wins. Clippers finished their comeback. Now the Clippers are back on the road and they're underdogs again against Utah. Big trade in the NFL. Julio Jones to Tennessee. Has it moved the odds? Yes, but probably not as much as you might think. Tonight, Brooklyn without Harden, as we just heard. And you know what? Milwaukee on the road is actually favored in this game. Getting bet big. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. It's a big Monday. Yeah, about as big as you're going to get in the NBA playoffs with the number of games as we move to the second round and the importance of the games increase and maybe as big of a trade as you're going to see, at least for a superstar going from a non-contender to a contender At the bottom of the hour, bottom of the hour, we're going to break it all down and give you the adjustment in the odds and the trade grade for Tennessee and Atlanta. But first, we're probably going to do a little NBA. Which game are we going to start with? We'll see. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a major trade announced in the last 24 hours in the NFL. We've also got a couple of more games coming up later on with interesting injury implications in the NBA playoffs. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Yeah, about 6.50, a little before that, we'll have uh, tonight's action. And man, Milwaukee is favored, getting a lot of action. I might have a best bet. There's a good chance I'm going to have a best bet on that game. We're going to start, though, with the Clippers because, to me, what makes this the clear Vegas lead, Jonas, is the fact that a team went from being down 3-2, down 0-2, but when they won, now the Clippers are one of the top favorites to win the title. So it went from being an underdog to win a series to being one of the favorites to win the title. Yeah, it was a roller coaster series for sure for the LA Clippers. They found themselves down three games to do two. They get a monster performance from Kawhi Leonard Friday night in game six to win on the road. And then it was last night, the Clippers yesterday at Staples Center, a 126 111 win over the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers win that series in advance in seven games. You know, Dylan has this song called Up to Me, and it's a it's an obscure song. But it's a kind of a love lore, and he, you know, there's a lost love. And he says, it frightens me the awful truth how sweet life can be. And you might like, well, why would it be awful that it's sweet? Because if you're depressed and then you get a flash of greatness, it's like, now what? Do I embrace it? Do I stay depressed? It gets confusing. Kawhi Leonard gets confusing. Because I think you had more than a few instances in the last two years 
where you could have said, okay, he was with the Spurs. He physically was on a different plane, offense and defense. He went to Toronto and, you know, somewhere in that, you know, uh, conference championship round, Kawhi came down wrong on his knee. And a lot of people think he hasn't been the same physically since. And what we've seen at the end of this series is probably the best player in basketball. I don't know how to reconcile it. Is it a matter of want to? Is it a matter of will? Jonas, first of all, how good do you think Kawhi's been at the end of this series? And how is it so different than some of his other efforts? Game six uh, was one of the better performances I've seen from anybody in a long, long time. That, that's was, a big it, thing from you. It, he, he's an, it was unbelievable to watch um, because they were, look, they were on the ropes in that game as well. I mean, it, it felt like, you know, Dallas just kept getting contributions from other guys, whether was Hardaway Jr. Um, you, had, you had other players who were making plays and, and hitting shots outside of just Luka. And then Kawhi Leonard just found another gear and completely took over in the second half of that game. He, he willed his team to victory. It was just an unbelievable performance. Um, you know, playing outplayed Luka, which wasn't the story early on in the series. We talked about it. Luka felt like the best player in the series. These last two games – no doubt about it was all Kawhi Leonard. The numbers maybe weren't as great in game six as they were in game seven, but you saw down the stretch, he also took on the defensive responsibility against Luka and, you know, came up with a couple of stops and they got late threes yesterday to ice it. But he, uh, Kawhi, one of his better performances in the postseason, and he's had a lot of them. So the question is this, what is the difference between what we saw there and so many of the other disappointments? And listen, it's easy to say, he should have played great in Game 7 last year when they lost. We're not talking about one game because no matter who you are, Jordan, sometimes you're going to shoot bad in a, in a big game. The question is what percentage of the time are you going to shoot well, what percentage are you going to shoot poorly. Uh, it, one game can go either way. But over the course of the last 20 big games, and I'm talking about kind of big regular season game, Kawhi's disappointed. Uh, was it a matter of because it feels like if you just made shots, you could say, hey, it was, you know, good luck versus bad luck. But the defense, because when Kawhi was being discussed as the best player in the league, just what to when he went to the Clippers, right, yeah. is it was because he was a two way threat that he could score and he could defend. And most of the great scorers can't defend. Now, most of the greatest can MJ, one of the best defenders. LeBron in his prime was an elite defender. Um, but those are the best players you, we've ever seen, some of the best. A lot of time, you know, Magic wasn't a great a defender. Bird wasn't a great defender. Mo, it's hard to get someone that's top five in the league at both. And Kawhi was for a while. He hasn't been for a while. Was it kind of, you know, and I guess there's no clean answer. It feels like to me, and, and you know, you can let me know if this makes any sense. Maybe it is a matter of energy. And he just went, he dug down way deep, came up with it, but it doesn't feel like he can produce it on a regular basis. I don't know if he's going to need to, but I don't see it. I mean, it's not like he's been injured quite the last couple of years. So it feels like it can only be a matter of willing it to be there, which feels like it's a heck of an effort. Yeah, I love Kawhi Leonard, but this is all about 
choosing when to utilize this reserve, I guess if you want to call it that. And and you can go back to his time in San Antonio. He felt like they let him down when it came to the handling of his injury, uh, and that's what caused some of the bad blood. But load management last year for the Clippers, that was the story the entire season. Um, this, this series, there were times where he just didn't seem as energetic and, and all the way, I don't want to say committed, but 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 emptying the tank, so to speak, like he did in, in game six and game seven. And it has to be because he realizes either physically he can't do it, pedal to the metal, uh, foot on the gas the entire time. So he's got to pick and choose his spots. Or maybe that's just his approach because he wants to get his other oh, teammates I, involved. I, I just, yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't deny the fact that there's at least some sort of a playing it safe, you know, reserving your energy until you well, absolutely need it. I mean, this is like reserving the 36 Rothschild wine. I mean, this, this isn't a tank. This is something <laughs> they got to bust out the, the uh, channel locks to get into. <laughs> I mean, uh, you've been to those bars where there's people that are cool, oh, yeah. are cool enough. They got their own locker. And then there's the one that's way in the back behind the safe. I mean, you know, it's one of those deals. They have to dig into it. But listen, as much as I want to know where this effort is, we got to marvel at it because it's as good. You know, you could make the case one of the 20 or 30 best games ever played. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're seeing it and it's legendary stuff, but it's it's really intermittent. It, it, it's hit or miss. All right. McKenzie, pregame.com. And we're straight out of Vegas. We're going to McKenzie. I'm RJ Bell. What's the series odds right now? You know, I'm going to I'll do the series odds, but then let's put it into context of the title odds. So first series odds. Utah is at home. Now, typical home court is going to be about minus 140. So if the teams are even, Utah should be minus 140. Utah in the series is minus 130. So what we're hearing from the market is the Clippers are a smidge better, a smidge better. The odds opened up Utah higher, minus 155. It's been Clippers money bet down, 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 down 25 cents. Jazz just a smidge worse if you count home feet court, but they are better than 50% to beat the Clippers. I'm going to propose right now, if you like the Jazz, game one's the game. Because if it is, a, and I don't know what else it could be, a matter of energy with Kawhi, when's he going to have the least energy? And hasn't the Clippers been affirmed? Haven't they got positive reinforcement the losing the first game, hey, they can overcome that. Regular teams have to worry about that. They don't. O2's fine with them, even if it's at home. This does not make the team urgent early. And the emotional celebration, the, let's be candid. If they lose that series, Paul George might have went out of town. There might have been another coaching chase. Who knows? what? Kawhi might not have re-upped. He has an option. So to me, this was an emotional win. It was a, like, the family might not have to move kind of win. <laughs> it feels like there's, there's a flat spot coming up here. Jonas first, what do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I also think, you know, it gives uh, Donovan Mitchell an extra a, extra few days to get ready and rested and all that, which is why them closing it out as early as they did against the Grizzlies was important. And we, we've seen the Clippers have given you multiple examples to where of all the elite teams, quote-unquote elite teams in the NBA, 
NBA, they're probably the most likely to just come out flat for an entire game, which I is agree weird to say. It, it, but it's, it's, it's weird that that's even part of the discussion, which is what makes them such, a, such an odd team to try and figure out and why so many people, I think, have a hard time doing it because, you know, one minute they're down 2-0, then they look awesome, then they lose a game on their home floor, and then they come back and win the final two. You just can't really figure out what's going on with them. Well, I, you know, it's funny. You say it's unusual that in the playoffs a team would be so flat as often as they are, but weren't the Lakers that last year, even though they won the title? They had numerous – I mean, in LeBron now for quite a while, and game ones have been flat in general. So it feels like it used to be the, the, the goal was play hard every game. Now, let's be candid. The glory days weren't always glorious. Is There wasn't a lot of defense sometimes in the NBA in the 80s, and, you know, but – it feels like that's transitioned to, oh, it's just a regular season. So, oh, you expect us to actually play with half effort? No, we're going to play some games with half effort. Others, we're going to sit for load management. And especially the TV games, because we're going to stick it to the league, because silver doesn't do much for us. <laughs> and, and the reality is that now we've moved towards, oh, NBA, are we playoffs? Are we down? No? Okay, then I think we can lose this one. Now, they're not trying to lose. But just like when I would, you know, let's say in high school, and I'm not condoning this, but sometimes there'd be, you know, a little alcohol consumed, and I'm not condoning it. But, you know, when I was a senior, eventually there was a time or two that it was before a school night, uh, the school night, you know, before the school (laughs) the next day. And you know what? I didn't try to flunk those tests. Well, I didn't flunk. I didn't try to get a C on those tests, but it happened, and I kind of felt responsible. I think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, what do we got in game one, McKenzie, on this, uh, the Utah Clippers, uh, when it comes to this spread? Jazz are four points favorites game one. Ooh, now think about this a second. The market is saying, RJ, you're right. Because what does game one tell us? Well, home court's two right now. Utah maybe two and a half because of the altitude. And if it is fatigue, that makes Utah even better against the Clippers with the altitude at home. But it still is saying the uh, Utah is one and a half points better. If they're favored by four, home court, let's call it two and a half for Utah. That means Utah is one and a half points better. But if you look at the series price, it says the Clippers are better because they're only a little below 140. Well, it's, it's Utah minus 130 and Clippers plus 110. And that's actually below what it should be if Utah was even an equal team. So this isn't severe like that Lakers was in which we just were just trying to figure it out. And we finally figured, hey, the Suns are the side and we were right here. It's telling us the Clippers are in a bad spot in game one. So Utah is the better team beyond the home court. But for the series, the Clippers are slightly the better team. That is fascinating, and it makes me not want to bet Utah (laughs) because they're accounting for it. That's the thing. A a better has to not only be right, he has to be in the minority position. Everyone knows Tom Brady's good. You don't make a lot of money typically betting on that information, right? Here, everyone seems to know the Clippers are in a bad spot, thus the line's adjusted, and thus we sit and watch. Let's get real quick. You know what we'll do? Let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to run down from the best favorite to the worst favorite or the biggest underdog. What are the NBA title odds right now? He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! I disagree with you. 
I'm RJ Velvet, straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the NBA playoffs. Yeah, and we got a stat. We've been saying, oh, the Clippers, their effort level is not consistent. We just uncovered a stat that speaks to that like crazy. And it actually, to some degree, tells you what you should probably do in game one, at least which way you should lean. It's a great day to join. Remember, at the bottom of the hour, that's about, ooh, I don't know, eight minutes, seven minutes away, we're going to talk about the Julio Jones trade. We're going to tell you how the odds adjusted, and we'll tell you who got the best of that trade. It's a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus, and you know what? That's you. Thank you. And we're going to keep living up to your support, we promise. You can listen on 225 stations. That's awesome. Coast to coast here in Vegas. On the Strip, 96 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, we were talking about the L.A. Clippers, their big Game 7 win over the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday at Staples Center in L.A. It sets up a second-round matchup with the number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs, the Utah Jazz, with Game 1 tipping off tomorrow night. Yes, and if you just did the following in the last two seasons with the Clippers, so... I don't know if you know that, Jonas. Jonas has been when Kawhi's been there and Paul George. Yes. Two years. (laughs) And if you said when they win a game, I think they're going to be flat because you know what? They're going to rest on their laurels. If you had bet against them alpha win, you would have made money, 54%. So alpha win, the Clippers were 46%, right? Because if you bet against them, 46% against the spread alpha win. Off a loss, the Clippers, they're motivated. They want redemption. 64% against the spread. It's that simple. (laughs) And when you do that for two years, it could be noise, as they say. Sample size might not be enough. But, man, you watch those games, it feels different off a win than off a loss. And I'm not just talking playoffs. I'm talking regular season. It's like a zigzag with these guys. It's almost – I had a friend of mine. In fact, he works for me. Uh, Tom's his name. He's a friend and he works and he used to do telemarketing. You know, like, I don't know, back in the nineties, that was the thing. If if someone didn't have a career, they were telemarketing and he literally would budget his week out his, you know, Marlboro Reds, his natural light, whatever he was doing. And he would figure I need $57, let's say. He would get a calculator out and figure, I got to work three and a third hours today. And he would stand up and walk out right after three (laughs) hours and 20 minutes. I mean, that is a God's truth story. And that feels like the Clippers. Oh, we won yesterday? Then we don't really need to win today. Oh, we lost yesterday? I better do a little extra work to make the rent. I don't want to have to get some off-brand cigarette. I want Marbs. So to me... I like it because I like when teams have perceivable trends, but boy, the Clippers certainly do. (laughs) Jonas, I think, I think we should look at the title odds. We got McKenzie here. He's going to give us the deep voice rundown. Um, Let's go from, what do you want to do? I'll let you decide, Jonas. You want to go Casey Kasem from worst to best or up? Yeah, I would like to go worst to best. All I right. Think we, yeah, we get, that way it'll build up some suspense. J- from Jonas McKenzie is the here. boss. Yeah. McKenzie, the biggest underdog. <laughs> All right. The Atlanta Hawks, 22 to 1. 
Denver Nuggets, 20 to 1. Hold on, Billy... hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How are we going to have any reaction? He's like, I'm on the mic. I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Atlanta Hawks. Now, how are they doing in the series? <clears throat> up 1-0. And they're still the biggest underdog. Surprise, the odds only ticked up from 25 to 22 to 1, yeah. That is surprising. What is, what is the current best knowledge on Embiid? That I, I, I think he, he doesn't seem... Totally a hundred percent. Yesterday, it looked like he might have tweaked his right knee a little bit towards the end. I mean, he still played pretty effectively. I just I don't know that he's going to be a hundred percent the rest of the way. Um, not that that he can't still be effective because he clearly was, but th- but he did seem a little bit off yesterday. They did as a team. Now the- let's think about why the odds changed the way they did, which was Atlanta's odds did not improve near as much as you would think. Now, it could be they're thinking, no way they can win anyway. What's the difference? And you see that sometimes in the first round when it's like a one versus an eight and it's a monster one. A team will win the first one, and they figure, the underdog, and they figure, oh, they were just lackadaisical. It's like the New Jersey Nets over the Lakers. And that, you know, I think it was the, uh, I know the 76ers won the first one against that Lakers team. I think they were 50. I, for some reason, I remember 15-point underdogs in that. But people don't take that too seriously. It's like, oh, now they got their attention. Look out. I don't think that's what this is. I think entering the series, which is when they set the opening series price, they didn't know when Embiid was going to play. And they didn't know how he'd look when he did. I, I heard from more people than felt like he would play that he wouldn't play till like, game five to see how the series would go. Can they give him some rest? I think it's a bad sign in a way that he's playing already because he's obviously a little healthier. So you might say, well, how is that a bad sign? It's because this thing can't be durable. I mean, they got to figure if they can't get at least two to two with the Hawks in four without them, right, before game one, you're not going to win the title anyway. You got to give that guy some rest because you're going to need him in the finals if you're lucky enough to get there. So it feels like it's another example of trying to, you know, it might be slightly or better now, but it decreases the chance to win a title because what's the odds of a guy who tends to get hurt and be a little bit brittle, if not more than a little bit, and B, what's the odds on a uh, partially torn up knee meniscus that he's going to make it through three more series. Yeah, and also game one, I mean, it's not like, you know, they were, you know, trying to work him back into the lineup. He played 38 minutes and, Ah. you know, he was by far and away their best player on the floor. He usually is, but by far and away their best player. He had 39 points. Do you think he played better? So you would say he played better than... Typically. And I thought, yeah, I, I well, better than I thought he would coming off what he was dealing with because he did miss the final game. But I just, if if not for him, for, they were getting blown out majority of that game. And and Atlanta, I, like the conclusion of that game was so wild. Just the you know the the misplays, turnovers that that Philly actually had a legitimate shot to either tie the game or take a lead late, which they shouldn't have uh, if not for you know the almost collapse by Atlanta and Philadelphia making some plays, but. If not for Joel Embiid in that game yesterday, who's clearly not 100%, who there were reports that he maybe wasn't even going to play, yeah, I, I, this game would have been really ugly. And, and, yeah. and that, that to me, and I don't know if that's just, oh, game one, or, or, or if that's you know, sort of an indictment on how this series could potentially go for them all the way but, through. But how many teams can be competitive in the playoffs without their best player? I mean, they they. Won I mean, I guess game. what I'm saying is, you said if Philly had lost them, 
how bad were they been off? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it kind of speaks to, and we're going to get to it, how amazing the Nets are that they can have someone like Harden maybe not even play again in this series. And they just keep, you know, again, obviously it hurts them. But the fact that they're still viable to win it. If, if Harden were declared out for the rest of the season, playoffs, everything, right? Where would the Nets be? Would the Nets still be the favorite? Ah, probably not. But man, they wouldn't be—they wouldn't be that far down the list, would they? I actually, and I was wondering this as well too, because if I'm not mistaken, and Mackenzie would know this better than me, but I, I'm almost—wasn't Atlanta the lowest? Like as, of all the team, they had the biggest long shot as far as odds go to win a title. I—I I th- I think they were last. Oh, if, I, you, if I'm not enter, mistaken, entering the playoffs. Entering the playoffs. Oh I, no, no, no. So they wouldn't have been. In that, because obviously you have all the eight seeds and everything. Um, obviously, like the Grizzlies were worse. Okay, they were pretty low though. From my- yeah, eighty to one, super long shots. Yeah, so I just want. At what point do we look at this and go? Maybe we've just been wrong about Atlanta because they've not only are they winning these games, these playoff games, but they weren't a good. They had a losing record on the road all season long, and they've been really good on the road in hostile environments throughout the postseason. Well, listen, here's the question, and I guess we got a little bit of an answer in game one because you could make the case the Knicks were and as good as Thibodeau Thibodeau is in the regular season, I mean, I don't think there was one sharp that I listened to or talked to that was not critical of the Knicks' lack of adjustments game to game. And thus, you could say Atlanta won, give them credit, but boy, the Knicks made it easy for them. But then to go in with Embiid having a really good game, as you said, and win, now it's not only... Boy, they're good, but what's the what's the confidence level, right? Because you mentioned that with the Suns last week, right? Well, if you're young, aren't you? You just vanquished Madison Square Garden, and now you're taking on the number one seed and beating them in Philadelphia. You got to be confident, and he's he's naturally confident. And they were up by they were up by over twenty at one point. I mean, they went on a seventeen to zero run in the in the first half. Like they were, Atlanta was dominating majority of that game. It shouldn't have been even close to what it was. The final score being a four point difference. So here's what I want to do. I want to I want to clarify the point I was making about the adjustment to Atlanta because you would think if you win game one and the adjustment was mighty light. And let's go over that again. What was Atlanta? to win the title before game one and after game one? 25 to one before game one, now 22 to one. Okay, so you might say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like enough. I think the fact that Embiid looked so good makes it so there's two adjustments being made. The mathematics that in the first series that Atlanta has to win of the three remaining to win the title, they now are up 1-0. That's mathematically they have a better chance to win this series. No doubt. Okay. Then you think we probably had to upgrade them a little bit because they played so well. So that's going to help them. But what hurt them was the Embiid upgrade from we don't know if he's going to play to he looks pretty much normal, but he's probably a little ginger on that thing. He might re-injure it, but he looks so much better than we thought. That effect was big, and thus you add it all up. And there was a slight improvement in Atlanta's odds, but not a major one because Embiid being healthy 
is a real negative for Atlanta's chance to win the title. Does that? Does everyone see that? Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. So let's do this. We're gonna get to Julio Jones. No, you know, Mackenzie. Let's do this. We're gonna do it your way. I want you to do <laughs> the team's title odds from first to, or from last to first with no interruption and no histrionics, my friend. We just said Hawks are twenty-two to one. After them, the Nuggets twenty to one. Sixers fourteen to one. Suns nine to one. Bucks seven to one. Clippers five to one. Jazz plus three fifty. And the favorites are the Nets plus one sixty. So, th- I don't get this. Harden's like curse, or, or I'm sorry, not curse. Is Nash said we think it's possible he might play before the playoffs are over? That's the quote I heard. Yeah, it's been listed as a strain. Like, they've been very careful. About but what was it when he missed, like, 22 games? A strain, for my understanding. Okay, I'm seeing a connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So we promised to Julio Jones, but we don't want to rush it. So be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. You know, Jonas, you're very popular in the media. I mean, it's like if they're, you know, like Reagan, President Reagan, when he was in Hollywood, was the head of the union for the uh, actors. I bet you might get voted union head or something. I want to start a I want to start a boycott. I want to boycott any mention of any football game being scheduled for more than a year in advance. I mean, yeah, 2026. Come on. Uh, you know, I, yeah, well, I think that there was um, there was another one that was out, uh, Notre Dame, and I want to say Arkansas. Uh, and, and this was actually a news story that I saw last week scheduled a meeting uh, head-to-head in 2028. And I'm just and, thinking to myself. I guess there's a home-and-home home on the moon in 2044. Yeah, it's just, but, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. the It's been debunked. Right, we saw teams literally put games together in 24, and even the Pac-12, right, with their, you know, let's just say lack of aggression when it came to playing football. And lo and behold, oh wait, there's some money to be made, or whatever contract they were fulfilling is meet at the stadium at 11. We're gonna kick at noon. I mean, it was like that kind of mentality. And now we're, I get it, schedule it fine, 2026. We don't need to hear about it. All right, so oh. get that done. Listen, being a union head is not all just like buffets. Well, the problem is, uh, in order to be a union head, people have to know who you are, and I don't think I qualify. I, I tell you, if they don't know who you are, that means they can't dislike you. <laughs> right, uh, very good. All right, let's do Julio Jones. All right, so Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. This was a deal that had been worked on for a little while. Atlanta trying to find a trade partner. They end up doing so. It is the Tennessee Titans. Terms of the trade are being reported by ESPN. Uh, Julio Jones to Tennessee in exchange. The Atlanta Falcons get a second-round pick in 2022 and a fourth-round draft pick the following season. Okay, a couple ways to look at this. One, what does the Vegas betting market say, which is the collective IQ? And what they say is this, the Tennessee Titans odds have improved, but not as much as you might think. They were 36 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, Tennessee. Now they're 30 to 1. That puts them as the 15th favorite. Now I'm just going to do some quick math. 16 is average. So they're a smidge better Tennessee with Julio Jones than average. What I can tell you with certainty is Tennessee was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, but one of the biggest downgrades, thumbs down, trend line down before this trade. Losing their offensive coordinator, 
uh, some moves on defense that the wise guys didn't like. However you want to assess it, and every wise guy had their own reasons, thumbs down, Tennessee. Now, a splashy trade, a big name, the kind of thing that a casual fan's going to get excited about. He's going to perk up. Oh, Julio Jones, yeah, I know him. Oh, Tennessee, they got that big running back. That's the mentality. I think this is one of those. It's an, And I got to be honest, I don't think Tennessee gave up too much either. I think they got a good deal. We're not talking about like the long-term prospects of the draft. We're saying Julio Jones is undoubtedly an upgrade. And Tennessee is a better team because of it. And there is those effects. You can only double one guy. So... If, if he's anywhere near what he's been or if he's, you know, so McKenzie, let's get a quick assessment here. Because the real question is, what has he got left? Pro football focus. What, what do you think is our best number to look at yeah, to say how so it was last fo- year? Pro football focus. He was good. He was top 10. 86 wait, 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 grade. Top, to, hold on. Hold on. Top 10 what? Wide receivers. All right. So in the entire league, his PFF grade was top 10. Julio Jones. Yes. That's it was 86. And it was... Um, the problem was he only played nine of 16 games. That was the first time since 2013 that he missed more than two games. So that's interesting because I would have guessed he missed more than two games more than that because it seems like he's like a game-time decision every week. Yeah. Wow. So read to, you got it in front of you. Read to me the number of games he's played the last five seasons. Just boom, 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 boom. You know yeah, how I got it, it right? Or he, I right. got it. <laughs> Uh, nine last year, 15, 16, 16, 14, 16, 15, then five in 2013. I think he's doing the Anthony Davis going out on the field for two plays <laughs> because that does not seem right. Listen, let's give the guy credit, but that doesn't then, – then why were we so worried about his durability if he had one year that he missed and every other year he's been playing? Well, he's the most recent year. That's one thing. There was, there's a feeling with him in regards to last year – that maybe he kind of sensed what was happening and not that he was faking it, uh, but maybe he wasn't necessarily pushing himself the hardest to want to get back out there for the Atlanta Falcons. So if that's the case, then that's a good thing for Tennessee. Yes. Because obviously, I mean, we could, uh, there's a former Clipper that was playing in Detroit. I don't want to name names <laughs> that went to the Nets that maybe there was a little bit of that going on. Right. So, yeah, it, it, it felt like there's, there's enough people who are, are looking back upon further review at, at the situation with his injury, just going, okay, well now that we know that this relationship has been strained for a lot longer than was reported publicly, Maybe there was something too. He could have, if you know, if if he was, if they were in the playoffs, I'd find it hard to believe that he wasn't able to to be out there on the field in some of well, these. Well, it's been a long time since the Falcons were in the playoffs, so yeah. we didn't have to worry. All right, let's <laughs> yes. do. Let's take our last break. When we come back, two things in their major. One, we're going to look at the grade on the trade for both teams, and two, I am going to do a best bet. A full best bet on tonight's NBA game. This is RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., we've got a doubleheader in the NBA playoffs coming up later on tonight, starting with the Bucks and the Nets, 7.30 Eastern time on TNT. I'm going to have a best bet on this one, but I got to tell you, Spencer during the break somehow rocketed into the first position. <laughs> so, so we're talking about McKenzie's doing pretty well on air. I mean, the guy's a graduate from Yale. Yeah, yes, Yale. And he's had a good year and a half with pregame. He's working hard, giving him some airtime. And we were talking about some stuff. And I said, Spencer, you know, who's a recent hire, not from Yale. And I said, well, how do you think McKenzie did? He goes, really good. You know what I think? I think my ability to alleviate some of his mundane tasks allows him to really <laughs> excel here. I mean, honestly, he... he <laughs> I mean, there should be a there should be a like a reality show like Vanderpump Rules the the following Spencer around. Okay, I'm gonna have a best bet, but if you don't mind, let's because we do want to finish up the Tennessee. You want to talk those grades real quick, and so let's look here. It seems like almost universal that Tennessee is getting A's or high B's, and I'm looking at some beat writers. I'm looking at. Graziano from ESPN, a sports analytics fellow named Seth Walter, and it's A, A minus, B plus, B plus when it comes to Tennessee. Atlanta, not so good. It adds up to a B minus. So A minus is the average for Tennessee, B minus for Atlanta. I think the B minus is a little bit unfair, and here's why. They don't like that they had to trade them, and they're kind of grading them about the decision to trade Julio Jones, the cap really didn't allow them to do anything but do this. So if you're forced to do it, I think they got a pretty good haul. So, But what we know for sure is Tennessee didn't overpay, and they got a top 10 receiver based on PFF from last year, and this was a team that was trending down. And one last thing, McKenzie, I wanted you to look, uh, and don't, you know, Spencer shouldn't get credit if you answer this correctly, (laughs) is what was Tennessee's odds entering – the regular season last year, because this year, even with Julio Jones, they're 30 to one. What were they last year? 25 to one. So think about that. Tennessee gets Julio Jones and they have worse odds now than they did a year ago. That goes to show you, Jones, for sure that Tennessee was a down arrow. The wise guys were against him. And this is a big trade, but it doesn't even get them to where they were entering last year. Yeah, and their defense was was the major issue, and, and I think there's still a lot to be desired on defense. So the, in switching the, the NBA with Milwaukee, that line did open up with uh, even before – it was after the Harden injury, opened up that Brooklyn was favored, and now the current line? Is the Milwaukee Bucks a one-point favorite on pregame? So the money's coming in on Milwaukee. I'm a contrarian. Give me best bet, full best bet on Brooklyn. And it's really simple. The zigzag would say, hey, you lost game one, that, or you won game one. If you're Brooklyn, you might be a little flat in game two. Teams are not flat when one of their key players is out for injury, especially when it's the first game because they got the injury. This is guaranteeing the biggest question I would have had about Brooklyn in this game would be their energy level, their effort, their focus. That is guaranteed, and we've got a team at home getting points. It's that simple. Brooklyn, best bet, plus one at home. What do you think, Jones? 
Uh, I like it. Um, and I just wonder, uh, Milwaukee, at some point, the further they go on in the playoffs, does it start getting in their head that they continue to struggle at this point? So, And, again, they have not proven it yet. So good yes. show. Uh, there it is straight out of Vegas here, Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, including how to properly bet the L.A. Clippers moving forward, you don't want to mess it. Check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can find the show on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 